Good morning. As uh, the kids make their way out, will the rest of you please open up your Bibles and make your way to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Okay, Luke, chapter 5. If you are uh, without a Bible this morning, I would encourage you to reach down and borrow one of the Bibles that are underneath some of the chairs that are around you, that uh, you may be able to uh, follow along and see for yourself uh, the Word of the Lord. Uh, rather than simply just taking my word for it, you'll know this is what the Word of God says. So, uh, We're going to be continuing our study through the Gospel of Luke this morning by covering the first 11 verses of chapter 5 in a study that I've entitled, Going Deeper. Okay, Going Deeper. As I read through this portion of Scripture uh, throughout the week in study and in preparation, I felt like the Lord was kept showing me uh, more and more uh, just cool little nuggets, little observations that, you know, led me to just wonderful biblical truths that have to go with uh, the idea of going deeper in our walk uh, with the Lord. I do have to warn you ahead of time, okay, uh, there are a lot of points that we're going to put up on the screens this morning, okay, and if you're one that likes to take notes and, and write down everything that we put up on the screen, Get ready, okay? Uh, exercise that hand because we're going to have uh, uh, a lot of no different points, application points this morning. Now, if you aren't that much into taking notes, uh, maybe just make sure to grab hold of the ones that really minister to you and the situation that God has you. And I do trust and I do believe with all of my heart that the Lord has a word for each of us this morning and that if we will have ears to hear, we will all leave this place having heard from the Lord through his word. And so with that, will you all please rise to your feet one last time in honor of the Lord and his word. I'm going to read through the entirety of our text and then I'm going to ask God's blessings and his spirits leading and guiding upon our time together this morning. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. Luke writes, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. And so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the privilege and the blessing that it is to be able to gather together here with brothers and sisters. Lord, with your sons and daughters, that we might seek an audience with you, our Heavenly Father. And Lord, I do pray that as we've gathered here this morning, Lord, that your spirit would 
speak to us. That your spirit would lead and guide us through your word. And Lord, that your word would penetrate our hearts and our minds. Lord, that we would leave this place having heard from you, Lord. We desire you to do a work in us, Lord. We desire for you to continue that work you began in us. And Lord, we want to yield ourselves, submit ourselves to all that you have to say in your word and as your spirit leads and guides. We lift our service to you. We lift ourselves to you, our very lives. Looking forward to all that you have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Our text this morning draws our immediate attention to a multitude of people that are crowding around Jesus. Jesus is going to take the opportunity to address the multitude, to speak to them. But we get the sense from Luke, uh, the author of this gospel account, that the emphasis upon this particular account isn't really about ministering to the multitudes. It isn't even about the teaching that Jesus gave to the multitudes either. In fact, Luke doesn't even record one single aspect of the teaching that Jesus shared with the multitude. The emphasis of this account isn't so much about the multitudes as it is about one single person and the work that God was wanting to do in his life. Jesus had his sights set upon Simon Peter. He was wanting to do a work in the life of Peter, something greater than what he has been a part of thus far. We do know that Peter is a follower of Jesus at this time. We would even classify him as a disciple of Jesus. We know that by this time, Peter has probably been walking with the Lord for well over a year. Peter was first introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew very on, uh, or very early on in Jesus' ministry. Uh, Andrew was actually a disciple of John the Baptist uh, first. Uh, and went to follow and learn from Jesus after John the Baptist declared of Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God. And so Andrew then went, he told his brother Peter about how they had found the Messiah. Andrew brought uh, Peter to Jesus. And Jesus said to Peter at that time, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. That was very early on in Jesus' ministry in Judea. Luke doesn't give us any of the details about Jesus' ministry in Judea. He skips well over a year of ministry that occurred there and focuses in on what transpired in the region of Galilee. In chapter 4, we read of how Jesus and his disciples, they went back to Peter's house after morning services at the synagogues, and Jesus was called upon to heal Peter's mother-in-law. And so we need to understand that what we read of here in our text is not an initial call to, to walk after the Lord or to follow after Jesus. Jesus was calling Peter to go deeper, to take the next step in his walk with the Lord. And as we go through our text this morning, we're going to look at things through that lens, okay? Through the idea of God wanting to call Peter to something greater, of calling Peter to go deeper, And as we go through the text, we're going to note some different spiritual and biblical principles that we can apply to our own lives as well as God calls each and every one of us to go deeper in our walk with him. And so let's jump back into our text here this morning. We're going to go verse by verse, beginning in verse one. It says, so it was at the 
as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. We'll pause right there. By this time, word was spreading quickly throughout the region about Jesus and his great authority. He had demonstrated his authority in his doctrine, uh, his teaching. Okay? He had demonstrated and shown his authority over diseases and sicknesses, uh, even over demonic beings, healing people and casting out demons from those who had been demon-possessed. The work and, and ministry that he was doing, it was drawing quite a large crowd of people. And here in our text, we see that the multitudes, they're beginning to press about him. The idea is that they are crowding in all around him. Everyone wants to see him, to touch him, to, to be close to him. It kind of reminds me of, of some sort of famous superstar, you know, trying to make their way around town and mobs of crazy fans following after them, you know, all wanting, you know, to see them, to get a picture with them, maybe to get an autograph, or maybe just to simply touch them. And they're like, oh, I touched them, you know, with this hand. And they're like never going to wash their hand ever again, you know, crazy fans like that. I don't think any of you are probably like that, but I know there are some people like that. Okay, and that's the, kind of the sense, the idea here, this multitude that's gathered in and pressing in all around Jesus. Now, the first thing I want to note here about going deeper with the Lord's found here in verse 1. Because we're told that this multitude of people pressed about Jesus in order to hear the word of God. And one aspect of going deeper with the Lord involves having a hunger and a desire for God's word. You know, Peter in his epistle uh, he likened the Word of God to milk. And he likened our desire for it to that of uh, the desire of a newborn babe for pure milk. And he tells us that as newborn babes, we are to desire the pure milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. You see, if you want to grow in your walk with the Lord, if you want to grow, go deeper, okay, then you need to have a hunger and a desire for the Word of God. We need to have an appetite for God's Word. If you want to go deeper with the Lord, then create an appetite in your life for the Word of God. Get into it. Consume it. Allow it to nourish and strengthen you for all that the Lord has in store. Let's continue in our text, verse 2. It says that they were stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. We'll stop there. The multitude, they had pushed Jesus up against the shores of the lake of Gennesaret. Now, the lake of Gennesaret is the famous body of water in the region of Galilee. It actually goes by many different names, but most commonly, it's referred to as the Sea of Galilee. Okay? Uh, lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, all the same exact body of water okay, there in the region of Galilee. just has different names for some reason. Okay? It's a freshwater body of water that sits well below sea level. Uh, and actually the surrounding hillsides that embank the shores of the water, they create a perfect amphitheater type of effect. And Jesus saw two boats standing there uh, by the lake, and he saw it as an opportunity to get away from the crowds pressing in upon him, and at the same time to then address the people. The owners of the boats were not with their boats because we are told that they were actually tending to their nets, washing them after an evening of fishing. Now, it was very important for these fishermen to properly care for their nets. 
as they would repeatedly cast their nets into the sea, drawing them up in hopes of bringing in a a good catch. Inevitably, they would uh, draw in more than just fish, seaweed, algae, uh, perhaps uh, some mud or grime from the bottom if uh, they were fishing in the shallows. Okay. Uh, And and so it was very important for them to keep their nets clean so that they didn't become rotten, that they didn't become brittle, rendering themselves useless for catching fish. Now, the process for cleaning the nets was that they would take the fresh water from the lake, they would wash the nets by hand, and then after thoroughly washing them and rinsing them with the water, they would then stretch them out on the rocks to properly dry And as I pictured the fishermen washing and tending to their nets, the picture reminded me of a few biblical principles that I think are important in regard to going deeper with the Lord. You see, not only do we need to have a hunger for God's Word, but we need to allow ourselves to be washed and cleansed by the water of the Word as well. Ephesians speaks of the responsibility of the husband to sanctify and cleanse his wife with the washing of the water by the Word. The Word of God, as we take it in, it has a cleansing effect upon our lives. Jesus said so in John chapter 15 when He declared to His disciples how they were already clean because of the Word which He had spoken to them. And part of going deeper with the Lord is allowing Him to wash and cleanse us through His Word that we may be sanctified, that we may be set apart for the Lord by His Word. Because that is the power of the Word of God. Again, Jesus, in speaking to the Father about His disciples, He requests of the Lord that God sanctify them by His truth. And then He affirms how God's Word is truth. But not only do we see here in the nets the need to be washed in the water of the Word, but we also see our need to be stretched. If we want to go deeper with the Lord, we need to be willing be stretched by the Lord. God will lead us into situations. He will lead us into seasons where he will stretch us, where we will find ourselves outside of our own comfort zones. And we have an option to choose in those moments. We can either resist the stretching and not allow the Lord to work, or we can submit and we can yield ourselves to that stretching work the Lord desires to do. You know, very, pe- very few people like to be stretched. And I'll be honest with you. I don't like to be stretched, okay? Very few people like to operate outside of their comfort zones. But we must remember that Jesus has not called us to a life of comfort, but he has called us to a life of surrender. Are we willing to surrender to him, to yield our lives to him, to allow him to stretch us, from time to time, knowing that God has a plan and a purpose through that stretching. You see, God doesn't just stretch us for His own entertainment, okay? It isn't as if God is up in heaven speaking with the angels saying, look how far I can stretch this one and, and everyone getting a good laugh out of it, okay? No way. God is stretching us and shaping us for our own good, that we may better be better suited for the rest of what is coming our way. And so we need to let God work in those tough times, in those seasons of stretching. If you want to go deeper with the Lord, I guarantee it will involve 
a lot of stretching. <laughs> and, and we need to be okay with that. Let's continue on verse 3. It says, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. The boat, excuse me. It was no coincidence that Jesus chose to get into Peter's boat. Jesus was going to teach the multitudes, but he also had some very special lessons for Peter himself. You know, it doesn't say anything like this, but I do wonder what Peter was thinking as he saw the crowds pushing in upon Jesus and Jesus eyeballing those two boats that were there on the seashore unattended, I wonder if Peter was thinking to himself, please don't get in my boat. Please don't get in my boat. And, and you know, we kind of understand why he might think that way, right? We know Peter's just spent the entire night out in the boat fishing. He's washed up his nets. He's more than likely ready to call it quits, to go home, get some sleep. The last thing he probably wanted to do was go back out in his boat. But that's exactly what Jesus requests of Peter. Obviously, from the rest of the text, we can conclude that Jesus requested for Peter and presumably at least one other, probably Andrew, uh, to put out a little from the shore that Jesus may address the people. Jesus sits down in the boat, which was not only uh, safer than standing in the boat, but also the traditional position for a teacher to take during those days as he would sit and teach the multitudes. And as he taught just off the shore, the waters would act like an amplifier and allow Jesus' words to carry to the multitude there along the shore. And I am 100% confident. I am very sure that it was yet another amazing teaching delivered by Jesus. And yet Luke doesn't bother to record for us any details from the teaching. Again, it isn't the main point that Luke's highlighting here. Luke is highlighting the work Jesus is about to do in Peter's life. And here again, in this simple request of Jesus, is I see yet another principle that we should note when it comes to going deeper with the Lord. You see, if we want to go deeper with the Lord, if we want to launch out and really be used by the Lord, we need to be faithful to do the little things. Before Peter was ever asked to launch out into the deep, Jesus first requested him, of him to put out a little. And before the Lord launches us out into the deep, he will look to see that we are first faithful to put out into the shallows. We need to be faithful in the little things before we expect God to use us for what we consider to be the great things. This is what is required of us as stewards. First Corinthians describes us as servants of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God. And as stewards, one of the most important things for us to remember is our need to be faithful. We need to be faithful with the little and that God may prepare us for the greater. Don't expect God to launch you out into the deep if you haven't first been faithful to put out into the shallows. Are we getting into the word? Are we spending time in prayer? Are we serving within the local body of Christ? Are we worshipers? Are we givers? Are we telling our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends and family about the Lord? You see, these are the simple little things that God is looking for us to be faithful with. And if we aren't faithful in little, listen, it's more than likely God won't give us more. We see this truth illustrated in a number of different parables that Jesus spoke on the matter of faithfulness. Those servants that were faithful to do what God had asked of them, they were given more. Those that were not, even what they had was taken away from them. Listen, if you want to go deep with the Lord, 
And I hope and pray that each and every one of us do desire to go deep with the Lord. Be faithful in the little things. Well, let's see what happens after Jesus Jesus finishes up his teaching in verse 4. He says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus finished up addressing the multitudes and then he turned his attention towards Peter and tells Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, we have to understand what's going on here. When Jesus says launch out, and let down, those are both written in the imperative. Jesus wasn't asking Peter, okay? Jesus wasn't saying, hey, Peter, you want to go fishing, okay? He wasn't saying, hey, Peter, are you willing to take me out in your boat to see if we can catch something? No, 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 that wasn't what was going on. Jesus is telling Peter what to do here. Again, we must note how odd this would be. Jesus, by trade, is a carpenter. (laughs) Peter was a professional fisherman. Okay? It would be weird to have a carpenter telling a fisherman how to fish and where to fish. And this was Peter's hometown. Okay? This is where he grew up. He made his living off of fishing these waters. If anyone knew anything at all about fishing, the best time to do so, the best place to do so, it would have been Peter. Everyone knew that the best time to fish was in the cool of the night and the early morning when the fish were swimming in the shallow areas where the nets could be tossed out and drawn in easily. Fishing in the middle of the day in the deep waters, that was the exact opposite of what Peter knew to be the best time and the best place to fish. Also, we know that Peter has just finished a full night's work of fishing and he's already washed up his nets. If he listens to Jesus, he's going to have to rewash his nets all over again for nothing because he certainly isn't thinking he's going to catch anything. Peter's left with a choice to make. Does he listen to Jesus and launch out into the deep and let down his nets? Or does he object? Does he tell Jesus that his idea is is foolish and that it won't work? Now, before we continue on in this count, I think there's something else here worth noting about going deeper with the Lord. Going deeper with the Lord will often require us to let go of any preconceived ideas and notions and limitations that we have of the Lord. We like to do that sometimes. We like to limit God and tell God what will work and what won't work. We have it in our minds sometimes that God is limited in what he is capable of. We think, oh, God God can't use me. Okay? Or, or we think God can't do this, or God won't do that. Okay? We are often quick to put God in a box and, and limit what he is able to do. Listen, we need to stop doing that. Okay? God can do whatever he wants to do. God is almighty God. There is nothing that is too difficult for him, nothing that is beyond his ability. We serve a big God that can do big things. Sometimes we miss out on some of those big things God wants to do because we've placed our own limitations upon the Lord. We've already written it off. God can't do that. God could never use me in that manner. God is not limited in what He can and cannot do. And it's time we stop limiting Him and instead be open to God doing what we see as the impossible. Continuing on, let's see how Peter responds in verse 5. 
But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. We hear a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of reservation. Okay, Peter says, Master, uh, the word here implies more the idea of teacher than it does Lord. We've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. Teacher, you know, we've been here before. We've, we've tried this before. We just finished all night and we didn't catch a single thing. You know, the fish just aren't biting today. There Peter goes, starting to limit God. But then he continues and he states, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Peter was hesitant, he was reluctant, but he didn't let his own hesitation, his own uh, reluctance to keep him from following through with what Jesus told him to do. And I see two things that I want to point out here. Number one, first of all, we learn the principle of not relying upon our own strength and our own efforts when it comes to the work God wants to do in us and through us. You see, the message to Zerubbabel was not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Too often we try to rely upon our own strength and our own abilities and our own efforts when it comes to serving the Lord and getting things done for Him. Going deeper with the Lord requires us to stop trying to work things out in our own strength and to rather look to the Lord and His Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to strengthen us for what He's called us to. Peter had toiled all night long in his own efforts, in his own strength, and he wound up with nothing to show for it. But here, under the direction, under the leading and guiding of the Lord, he's going to bring in the catch of a lifetime. And number two, secondly, I see another thing here. We learn the need for us to be obedient to God's Word. Okay, we've already noted our need for a hunger for God's Word, and our need to be washed in the water of the Word, but we also need to make sure that we are being obedient to God's Word. You see, we can hunger for God's Word, and we can even you know, take in God's Word. We can study it. We can highlight it. We can even memorize it, okay? But if we don't actually live our life according to it, we fall short. We need to not only hunger for God's Word and know God's Word, but we must be obedient to what it says. If we want to go deeper in our walk with the Lord, we need to be obedient to the Word of God. Peter was obedient to Jesus' Word. Nevertheless, at your Word, I will let down the net. And that simple act of obedience made all of the difference. We must be doers of the word and not hearers only. If we are only hearers of the word, James says that we only deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves into thinking that we're doing good, that all is well, when in fact our disobedience is actually keeping us from all that the Lord has in store for us. And so don't let that be a description of you. Okay? Be obedient to God's word. Be a doer of the word and not just a hearer alone. Well, read with me verse 6 as we see what God did through Peter's simple act of obedience. It says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. As soon as Peter dropped the nets, we get the idea that the fish started filling them. 
The haul of fish was like nothing he had ever seen, probably like nothing he had ever even imagined. And we're told that there was so many fish filling his net that the net was breaking, or your translation may more accurately read that they were beginning to break. And the Greek word for breaking, it's written in the imperfect tense, which describes an action in process that's occurring in the past with no assessment of the action's completion. And so it isn't saying that the nets broke, but more accurately that they were beginning to show signs of breaking. They were beginning to show signs of strain. They were being stretched to their fullness. They were about to bust, yet they were still holding. It's that kind of balance. They were beginning to do that. And had they not been properly cared for, they no doubt would have been completely broken and the miraculous catch would have been lost. Again, just a reminder for our need to be washed and stretched in our own lives for those future works God desires to do. But the point I'd like to make here in this verse is the fact that with obedience comes blessings. When Peter was obedient to Jesus' word and he let down his nets, God blessed him abundantly so. And as we look to go deeper in our walk with the Lord, yes, there will be times of stretching. Yes, there will be times of purifying, times of being stretched outside of our comfort zones, times where we need to surrender and yield to the Lord, but there will also be times of great reward and and times of great blessings. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You know, as we walk with the Lord and we are obedient to the things He places before us, we can anticipate and expect great things, blessings that will be more abundant than what we could have ever even imagined. I've been walking with the Lord for over 23 years now, and the blessings that He has brought into my life are like nothing I ever imagined. God has been so good to me, not only to forgive me, to wash me, to cleanse me from my sin, but to bless me with an amazing helpmate, my wife Farah, today in, uh, marks 22 years for us uh, in marriage. And God has given us, blessed me with a quiver full of boys, okay? and they are arrows, man. Uh, they are weapons. <laughs> and, and God's given me the privilege uh, of being able to serve him full-time on the mission field. And it blows me away at how good God has been to me. Never, ever would I have ever imagined this is where I would be after saying yes to Jesus. And I guarantee you that as you continue to say yes to Jesus, that you too will be blown away at the amazing blessings that come with living a life of faith. Saying yes to Jesus is something that you will never regret. Let's continue in our text. We'll see what else we can note. Verse 7. It says, So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Peter and whoever else was in the boat with him, presumably Andrew, his brother, signaled to their partners, James and John, to come out with their boat. And the catch was so great that both boats began to sink. Again, the wording indicates that they were beginning to sink, not that they sunk. Uh, They were weighed down so much that they were beginning to take on water is the idea. And here we see yet another important principle about going deeper with the Lord. And that has to do with the idea of getting others involved and sharing God's blessings with others. 
as Peter launched out into the deep and he began to see the amazing blessings that came with obedience, he signaled to others to come join him so that they may share and rejoice together in God's blessings. It is very important that as we serve the Lord and as we look to go deeper with the Lord, that we do so with the mindset of bringing others alongside us. God doesn't bless us so that we can hog those blessings for ourselves. He blesses us that we may be a blessing to others. Okay, We aren't to be reservoirs of His blessings, but channels through which God can distribute His blessings. And so look to those whom God has placed around you and encourage them to join with you in serving the Lord, to join with you in sharing the blessings of a life surrendered to the Lord. Verse 8 says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter, after seeing the miraculous catch, was shook to his very core. Peter had seen Jesus perform miracles before. He had seen Jesus cast out demons, heal the sick, the lame, the blind. But something about this particular miracle shook Peter to his core. It revealed something to Peter that hadn't quite sunk in as of yet. And in that moment, Peter realized two very important things. Number one, he realized who it was that was sitting before him in his boat. This was no mere man. This was the Lord. And as Peter realized who it was in his boat, the second thing that came to him was that he became very aware of who he himself was as well. He knew that he was not worthy to be in Jesus' presence, that he was a sinful man. You see, Peter saw himself in the light of Jesus, and he became a man undone. And I'm reminded of the prophet Isaiah. Within the first few chapters of the book of Isaiah, we read a lot about Isaiah pronouncing woes upon several different groups of people. Woe to the wicked. Woe to those who call evil uh, good and good evil. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to those mighty in uh, mixing intoxicating drinks. Woe, 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 woe. Isaiah, you know, he's passing out these woes like they're candy. Everybody's getting a woe, okay? But then something very interesting happens in chapter 6 of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was given a vision of the Lord sitting upon his throne in heaven, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he heard the seraphim crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice, and the house was filled with smoke. And it was in that moment that Isaiah humbly proclaimed, Woe is me, for I am a man undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was pronouncing woe upon a whole bunch of other people, but when he saw himself in the light of the Lord, he quickly changed his tune, and he pronounced woe upon himself. He was undone. And this is what happened to Peter. Peter saw himself in the light of Christ and he became immediately aware of Jesus' holiness and of his own sinfulness. 
And if we want to go deeper in our walk with the Lord, we need to have this sort of encounter with the Lord as well. We need to see ourselves in the light of Jesus Christ. Because we often like to see ourselves in the light of others. And we like to compare ourselves to other people. And in the light of others, perhaps even many others, we can seem like we've got it all together. And we can make ourselves believe that we're doing all right. But when we see ourselves in the light of Christ, when we compare ourselves to His holiness, His purity, His righteousness, okay, in the light of who He is, well, it's then that all of our blemishes get put on full display. You see, there isn't a spot or wrinkle that doesn't go unnoticed under the blinding light of God's countenance. All is laid bare before Him. And we come to the realization and to the understanding of just how great God is. And just how desperate we are for God's grace. That leads me to our next point. Take a look at verse 9, the first part of verse 10. It says, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Peter and all who were with him, along with James and John, who joined later, they were all astonished by the catch that they had taken. That word astonished, it carries with it the idea of being seized with amazement, of being overwhelmed with awe and wonder. They were blown away at Jesus, at what Jesus had done. Let me ask you this. I've asked you this before, and I'm asking you again. How often do we take time to be in awe of the Lord? to be amazed by Him and what He has done for us and in us and through us. The grace of God that has been lavished upon us truly is amazing. You know, we sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But do we really allow ourselves time to reflect upon just how amazing God's grace is? Have we allowed ourselves to be overwhelmed by God's grace, His unearned favor upon us? I want to encourage you to do so on a regular basis. Okay, Don't ever lose sight of the magnitude of the grace that God has extended toward us. Realize who He is and who we are in light of Him and allow yourself times to be astonished, to be amazed like these men were. While we may continue to grow in the Lord and to go deeper in our walk with the Lord, we should never, ever lose sight of just how amazing God is and how abundant His grace has been lavished upon us. How desperate we need it. Let's read the rest of verse 10. We continue in our text. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. Jesus responded to Peter, telling him, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Jesus was calling Peter deeper into his walk. He was calling him into full-time service with the Lord. Now, I want you to note something with me here that I think is important. This account of Jesus calling Peter to go deeper, to enter into full-time ministry, if you will, is different from the accounts that we read of in Matthew and Mark's uh, gospel accounts. Matthew and Mark record an instance where Jesus called Peter, Andrew, James, and John to follow him. And some people think that this is the same parallel account here in Luke, but I disagree. 
Okay? The details are different in the accounts. The event recorded in Matthew and Mark was an event that occurred earlier on during Jesus' first visit to Capernaum, I believe. There Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. At that time, Peter and Andrew, they dropped their nets, they followed after Jesus, but they didn't fully commit their lives to Jesus, for we see in our text today that they're back fishing again. They were following Jesus, but they were still doing their fishing on the side. But now things were changing. Jesus had said to Peter before, I will make you fishers of men, speaking in the future tense. But here in Luke, Jesus says, from now on, you will catch men. It was time for Peter to step into that role that God had called him to. God was preparing him. God was molding him and shaping him, stretching him and teaching him. And now it was finally time to take the next big step in his walk with the Lord. And I bring this up to note two separate things. Number one, as we go deeper in our walk with the Lord, we must understand that our calling and our enabling don't always happen at the same time. Peter had been told by Jesus that he would be made into a fisher of men, but that work didn't immediately take place. There was a difference of time between that first calling and this enabling here. God sometimes does that in our lives as well. Consider with me the life of David. He was called and anointed to be king while still a young lad, watching over his father's flocks, but yet he didn't take the throne for several years after the fact. Joseph has, was shown a dream from the Lord describing his brothers bowing down before him. But that didn't take place until after his brothers sold him into slavery and he worked his way up through the ranks, finally ascending to second in command of all Egypt. And when his brothers came to buy food, they bowed before Joseph, thus fulfilling the dream God had given him years and years and years before that time. God may have placed a burden upon your heart and upon your life. And you may have a sense of of calling upon your life. But you, maybe you're still waiting for that enabling to take place. You're still waiting for that fulfillment to come. May I encourage you? Don't grow weary while doing good. Continue to serve the Lord. Continue to trust in His timing. He will fulfill His work in you in His perfect timing. And number two, A second thing here, I see here not only the fact that God's calling and enabling come at different times, I also see the need for us to leave the past in the past and to push forward in all that God has for us. Oftentimes we can allow our past to keep us from the future that God desires for us, whether it be past failures or even past victories. Both can be hindrances to moving forward with the Lord and going deeper in our walk with Him. Sometimes past failures keep us from moving forward. We think that God can't use us because we've blown it so bad or because we've fallen too many times. Listen, don't let that keep you from continuing to move forward with the Lord. If you've fallen, get back up. Look to the Lord for direction. Okay? Sometimes it could even be past victories, though, that hinder us. Victories where we you know, look and we live in the past. We live in the glory days of when we were used by the Lord and that we were satisfied with that. And we aren't willing to continue to move forward into new ventures of faith, but we're satisfied in old victories. Yeah, back in the day, God used me to do this or to do that. We did a a Bible camp and I was a counselor and I did this and I did that. And and we kind of are satisfied in those past victories, not willing to push forward into new ventures. 
Listen, if we want to go deeper in our walk with the Lord, we need to leave the past in the behind. We need to push forward in all the Lord's leading and guiding us in. Paul said it best in the book of Philippians chapter 3 when he wrote, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, Paul understood the need to forget those things in the past and to push forward in all that God was calling him to. And we need to do the same. Whether it be past failures, whether it be past victories, we leave them in the past and we push forward. Lastly, let's take a look at verse 11. We'll wrap this up. It says, So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. After Peter and the rest of the guys brought their boats back to dry land, we're told that they forsook all and followed Jesus. And Peter here shows us the importance of putting Jesus as his number one priority in life. Peter had just been given the greatest catch of his lifetime, no doubt. He was given every fisherman's dream, a haul so great that it could have set him up for success for years to come. But Peter was willing to walk away from it all to follow Jesus. As we seek to grow in our walk with the Lord, as we hopefully have a desire to go deeper in our walk with the Lord, this is something that I believe God will work in all of us. A willingness to forsake all. A willingness to leave it all behind. Everything that we had hoped for, all of our dreams and our aspirations, our desires, all laid at the feet of Jesus Christ surrendered to him that we may follow him and continue to go deeper and deeper in our walk with him let me ask you a question are you there has god brought you to that place in your walk with him yet if god gave you everything that you had ever hoped for would you be willing and able to walk away from it for you military members God gave you that rank you're seeking after. If you finally made it to the top, you got that command or, or maybe even that shiny star. And along with it, you got the respect and the admiration of all your fellow Marines and or sailors, okay? And could you leave it all behind to follow Jesus? Or what about that dreamy retirement with the house out in the country, your white picket fence, acres of land to roam and cultivate? Could you leave it all behind to follow after Jesus? You see, I don't know what your dreams are. I don't know what you long for personally, okay? Or what you maybe are chasing after. But my question is this. If God gave it to you, would you be willing to leave it all behind if He called you to? That's what Peter was faced with. He had the greatest catch of a lifetime. Nothing could have ever topped it. And yet he was willing to walk away from it all to follow after Jesus. May we have that same sense of priority and commitment in our own walk with Jesus. May we be willing to go deeper with Jesus as he leads the way, trusting and knowing that following him is the greatest thing we could ever do in our lives. Amen?
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this portion of scripture, Lord. We thank you for your grace that is amazing. Lord, that as we realize the calling that you have upon each of our lives, Lord, that calling to go deeper, Lord, I pray that we would take these things to heart, these observations, these principles that we were able to pull out. Lord, I pray that you would use them to strengthen us, perhaps, Lord, to even challenge us. May we be yielded to the work you desire to do. May we be willing to forsake it all to follow you, knowing that there's no better place to be than following after you. Lead us and guide us, we pray, by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.